it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. We have a really big show planned today. We have an awesome guest coming up, Brett Stanley Berryhill, Arizona Wildcats receiver who is getting ready for the NFL draft this week. Like This, this is going to be a fun show. I think so. Let's get to it, Adam. Yeah, well, let's talk about... We're going to talk a lot of things draft, obviously. We're talking to Stanley Berryhill a little bit later, but Brett, let's first start with Arizona men's basketball because since we last potted, they've had a few players go pro. Um, let's see. Ben Mather, not a surprise. Like, absolutely, go pro. You're a lottery pick. Cool. Kristen Coloco decided to enter the NBA draft, and I thought he'd come back, but I also understand why he's not. Yeah, I mean, I remember a few weeks or months back, you, you, me, and and our beloved Ronnie Stoffel were talking about, you know, the over-under on the number of people that would leave, and I think we've already hit the over. Granted, um... You know, some people may come back uh, that have announced that their intention to leave. And that's Daylon uh, Terry. I was going to get yeah. to him, but I just wanted to go, you know, player by player here. Yeah, but uh, you know, I'm I'm of the mindset that Christian Coloco was already the physical tools and what he has shown as a de- in developmentally and you know, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year mm-hmm. and his defensive versatility. That is a modern NBA big man just from a defensive versatility standpoint. Uh, you know, does he is he does he have the offensive prowess uh, to be a guaranteed lottery pick? Not not yet right now. But if his if he's shown enough development on off on offense, which I think he has, uh, somebody might even fall in love with his potential. And just, you know, the low end is he'll be a very valuable defensive big man. Oh, right? he's going to get drafted. And, and, I, and that's what I it think, comes down I to. Think, I think he's I think he's probably going to be drafted closer to the lottery than people expect. Huh. Because I think that the floor for him is very high, just based on that defensive value in the modern NBA. I, I do wonder. And like, I'm sure he got feedback, right? Like, all these guys, when they're leaving early, they get feedback as to where they can expect to be drafted. And Coloco has a lot going for him. He had an outstanding season. 
he has the physical tools and he showed growth from his freshman year to his junior year. I, or let's just consider this. I don't know what they consider this past year for him, but over his three seasons at the university of Arizona, he improved immensely. He took a huge step between this season and the one before it. Right. The question is how mm-hmm. much better can he get? And there is reason to wonder, like, okay, what's his ceiling in terms of as a college player? Like what more does he have to prove at U of A? If he came back for another year, would he be a number one offensive option? Doubtful. Like that wouldn't be the case for him. You know, is he going to be, I mean, he's already defensive player of the year. He already rebounds. He blocks shots. He finishes lobs. Like, he's active around the basket. He's got quick feet. He's got good hands. Like, that's not going to change, and it's not going to get any better by coming back. So to that extent, if he had people say, yeah, we see you as, uh, you know, in the 20s, maybe, and the first-round pick, go. <laughs> Absolutely go. Like, I, do I think he would have been great for Arizona next year? Yes. He would have been a monster again for them. But I don't think his offensive role would have increased so much to where he'd be able to quiet some of those doubters. Or if someone say, hey, we want you to see, we want to see this from you. I'm not sure he'd be able to do that at Arizona based on one, his skill set and two, the type of offense Arizona runs. So well, I can totally understand that going pro is probably the right move for him, even though I would have loved to have seen him come back for another season. Yeah. And, you know, if he had come back, the feedback probably would be things like, We'd love to see a more consistent mid-range jumper that maybe that gets shown more, but you also don't necessarily want to have uh, a player that is a key guy on your roster trying to show more for the scouts than to win games within the system. Exactly. Cough, cough, Nico Mannion. Um, I thought that was an Andre Iguodala thing. Really? Nico Mannion? That's where you go with that? He played one season, man. That's not cool. That guy was jacking shots to try to show that he could shoot. (laughs) He had one year. It wasn't uh, whatever. I I I I had I had strong feelings on that one year in terms of how how he played or who 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 he was playing for and why, um, but I mean like yeah can Christian Coloco develop that I I think he can and I think his if you're a scout you look at that slope of that line of his development offensively look at look at what he came uh, remember the end of it was at the Oregon game where they he they caught almost this last second thing to get a foul and he had. His freshman year, to, yeah. Yeah. And he couldn't but make he a free a, throw to save his life was, that year. You know, 40% free throw shooter. Now I think I, I, don't have the numbers of, I don't think I have the numbers in front of me, but I think he was more like 70% uh, mm-hmm. this past year. Which shows he can that, shoot. He has touch. Exactly. And so that shows that he has that, uh, that ability and that ability to, to develop. And does he need to work on that at U of A? Or can he do that in the NBA, right? And get paid millions of dollars to do it. Yeah. You know, something like that. He, he can do that at his own pace and in practice and like learn it like it's his job because it literally is his job. Um, and in the meantime, worst case scenario, you have a very valuable, versatile defender if you're an NBA team and you say, all right, we'll work with you on this. And then all of a sudden you have a guy that's, a, you know, a, a very legitimate rotation player on a pretty decent team potentially. So, you know, I'm not, of course, as a, selfishly as a fan, I would love to have him him back but i'm not convinced that he would necessarily improve his draft stock more uh granted i already said i think he's a he's going to probably be in the i think he's going to be in the teens to early 20s i can i can see that i can see that and and i tend to lean more towards the late teens i don't think he'll be a lottery pick but i think some i think he's gathered enough feedback and you know i'd like to think i have a sense of what the nba guys are looking for and really they're looking for him and then if they can develop some offense out of him now you've got some real value yeah so i I certainly don't fault him for leaving and i'm sad about it uh because you know hashtag coloca nuts forever but 
I, I definitely wish him well, and I know you do as well. Absolutely. Now, the other guy we talked about, Dalen Terry, he entered his name in the NBA draft but said he was going to maintain his eligibility, which, again, makes all the sense in the world in that I imagine he's going to get the feedback of certain things he needs to improve on, and what he needs to improve on are things that could absolutely help Arizona next season, right? More consistent three-point shooting, more consistent jump shot, just a little bit better offense. He's still going to be a facilitator. He's still going to be a good defender, but show a little bit more of that offensive game then he'll go from, right now he's probably a second-round pick just based on potential, to being a first-round pick, potential lottery pick if he really shows offensively. That's something where, of course, like he had to make the decision to enter the draft by now. You know, that's coming up shortly. But, you know, get that feedback. Hear what you have to improve on. But I think the expectation is that Dalen Terry will come back for his junior-ish season. I still don't know what they're called right now, but for a third season at Arizona. But, of course, if he gets feedback and they say, you know what, with your size, with the ability you've shown, because he showed improved offense towards the end of last season, especially as a corner three-point shooter, if someone says, hey, we're going to pick you in the first round, then he's probably gone too, and he should go. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think, similarly, Dalen Terry's shown dramatic development I don't know if the slope of his line has been as steep as Coloco's, uh, but that's because Coloco's has been so, you know, a straight line up right through the, the tournament. Yeah. Um, I do think Dalen Terry as a more perimeter player, uh, even with good size, you know, not having any ability to, to consistently hit a jump shot is going to be something that would, would limit his uh, likelihood of getting drafted in a position that, maybe makes sense. And I think if he shows, you know, to your point, if he shows even just some level of consistency and improvement in, in his jump shot, and it, it's kind of, he's been kind of up and down, his form's still a work in progress. Um, but he's going to be a guy, especially with Ben leaving, especially with Coloco, like, you know, out the door, he's going to be uh, uh, having the ball in his hands a lot and having a lot of opportunities to show development as an offensive player. And for him, it's almost a different thing because, you know, He's going to have the ball in his hands and be a facilitator. It's whether he's going to be able to show uh, as a scoring threat a little bit more mm-hmm. and maybe add a little bit of strength. Because he's, he's added a lot, but he's still, he's still relatively thin uh, as, a, as a younger guy. If, you know, if you're going to put him up against some of these, you know, Jay Crowder would eat his lunch physically just with, you know, Jay Crowder is you know, on the wing, right? And mm-hmm. Jay Crowder is not an all-star. But he's a he's a standard NBA kind of wing, and Dale and Terry needs to be able to step in and compete with that. And, it, and it's a, it's a little bit different position. I agree. I think the most likely thing is he tests the waters and ultimately returns. And I think that's the right decision for him. All right, a couple men's basketball players who will not be returning. Kim Aiken announced he was going to transfer, and yes, he was still, I think, technically on the roster. That's going to be one of the weird. We don't know why he didn't play for Arizona after seven games, but you know, wish him the best of luck. And Shane Noel announced his intention to transfer, which. Not a surprise at all. Glad he stuck with them, you know, as a freshman. But his path to playing time on the wing seemed likely non-existent in large part because of what Arizona's adding. They <sighs> men's basketball team added another recruit, uh, Phil, I think. Um, yeah. I always read it as flip, flip. <laughs> uh, well, that's how I read it yeah. visually, even though it's I believe it's Philippe. Philippe. And I'm not going to worry about the sec- the last name. I'll let someone else take care of that. But it seems to be a pretty solid commitment out of Serbia. Um, Lanky, from the highlight videos anyway, from everything I've read about him, he can shoot. And has a really high basketball IQ. So he's another guy who will get significant minutes at the wing, which if you're, you know, if you're Noel, you, that, that understands why. Like, that's just not, like, good luck. 
He'll get playing time elsewhere probably because he's what, a four-star recruit, probably going to be a pretty yeah. good player. Would have loved to see him as a senior, but this is just how college sports goes, especially when you just don't have a clear path to playing time. Adama Ball is going to be on the wing. He'll get more minutes. Pal Larson will get more minutes. Just where was Noel going to get them? Probably nowhere. So that makes sense. What do you, what do you think of the roster right now? Let's, let's assume Dalen Terry comes back. Arizona, mm-hmm. I think, would have four scholarships available, three or four scholarships available. Um, transfer portal's out there. You know, there's a lot of players in it. And, yeah, what do you think? So, first, just to be very precise, Shane Noel entered the transfer portal and hypothetically still could come back, but he's most likely gone. Um, yeah, I can't see him coming back. I, I tend to agree, but I'm just trying to be precise. Uh, I'm actually pretty intrigued in watching some of the highlight videos of Philippe. Um, you know, if he is indeed a legit 6'8", which he seems to be in the in the highlight videos and seems to have some pretty good handles and skills for a relatively large wing. Uh, and, you know, highlight videos are highlight videos, not a every shot you've ever taken in your life video. They're not going to have highlights of him breaking threes. But, you know, so his shot form looks like a classic Euro repeatable high, uh, you know, high percentage shot and that tracks with what the stats are supposedly in the mm-hmm. in this low level league he was in. Um, he strikes me as somebody that could be one of those European guys that kind of comes out of nowhere and is suddenly like, oh, this is a, a difference maker and somebody with high-end talent. Like, I'm not calling him Lowry Markinen, but Lowry, when he came in, was he seems like an intriguing guy and then turned out to be, you know, a, an NBA talent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the if Assuming Dalen Terry comes back... Uh, and I think Dylan Anderson is the other freshman coming in right now with Philippe. I think you're still, you obviously still need to have some type of a guard. Brought you need another in. guard, probably a veteran. You, ideally, you, yeah, it's going to be that's to me is going to be a grad transfer type, like a Justin Kyer type. Justin Kyer was a pretty good fit uh, for what the roster needed. Um, I think him and maybe even a little bit more point guardish version of a him as like a combo guard, but somebody that can play both positions, uh, play good defense can be, you know, do a little bit of everything. A Kadeem Allen type would be, I think a really valuable ad. Um, I think with Coloco gone, I think you're probably looking at maybe another big, mm-hmm. uh, cause right now you have Azulis Tabellis and you have, and you know, Umar Ballo, yeah. and then you have true freshman Dylan Anderson, which, is he ready to play and contribute right away? I don't know. Um, and then I think that last thing is kind of a grab bag where you get the best possible player uh, of, of that roster spot. The one thing, too, because like obviously anyone that has a guard is not going to be starting. So like Justin Kyer was comfortable coming off the bench, which is huge for a veteran who comes because he wants to play at a higher level, not necessarily because he's trying to you know, play for the NBA. Um, but also one thing that I think is interesting when looking how this team's going to be next season, is like, yes, there's certain things you need to add, but you're also going to have another year of Kirk Creesa, an experienced Kirk Creesa, you know, a stronger Kirk Creesa. You have another year of ideally Dalen Terry, who is a, could be a primary ball hander or part of this office. And as we saw even last season in Tommy Lloyd's system, you don't need a true probing type point guard. Like you need ball handlers. Yes. Like Pella Larson can bring the ball up the court too. So yes, there are certain things you need. Like a combo guard would be great. Kadeem Allen, to your point, if there was a guy like that out there, that'd be terrific. That's almost perfect for them. And yes, I'd like to see more bit, another big, another veteran big, someone who can give you 15 minutes a game. Cause I like Umar Bala. We saw quite a bit of growth from him last season, but they need someone to spell. Like part of what made Arizona really good was they had, you know, Bala and Coloco 
and two bellas to throw at teams. That's basically three seven-footers, and I'm not sure Dylan Anderson will be ready as a true freshman to go out there and produce, you know, provide big minutes. Maybe he will be, but I wouldn't count on that. I don't think that's what Tommy Lloyd's trying to recruit necessarily. So the team itself, like they need more bodies, but I do think they're going to be an attract. Like Arizona's going to be a really attractive destination for players. The problem is a lot of the best players on the portal want to start. They want mm-hmm. big minutes, and Arizona can't offer that. You know, even looking at the lineup, it's probably Kirk Creesa. I think um, I would think Pella Larson takes over Ben Matherin's spot in the starting lineup, and then yep. you have Dalen Terry, Tubelis, and Balo right now, right? And Phil, Phil or Philippe comes off the bench probably. A Don Ball, who I think is going to be excellent next season, take a nice big jump. We saw flashes last season. He's going to get significant minutes. So at some point, it's like, yeah, you can come to Arizona and you're going to play, but you're not going to be a star. You're going to come off the bench. Can you handle that role? And those aren't the guys who are going to be signing or transferring early in the process. Those are the guys who are going to be a little bit later when they decide, you know what? Yeah, I want to do that. Or the the school they wanted, the role they wanted, doesn't materialize at the school they wanted. They're like, okay, I'll go to Arizona. I'll play 15 minutes a game and be on a really good team and win a lot of games and see how far I can go in the tournament. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be watching Arizona probably not get guys in the portal early. I'd be like, what are they doing? I would have confidence. One, that the roster is already there. It's a really talented roster. And two, they'll find some people to help fill it out. One question for you, Adam. Would you rather get a combo guard, Kadeem Allen, Justin Kyer type? Would you rather that or Kylan Boswell and or K.J. Lewis reclass as underage true freshmen? I think for Arizona, I'd rather have the transfer portal guy, like the Kadeem Allen, just because when you're reclassifying, how often does that work out? Like, who was it? Emil Acott reclassified for Arizona. He just wasn't ready. You know, so these guys, they're not at the... I'd rather have that veteran, someone who's played college basketball, who's a little bit bigger, a little bit more mature physically, who can get those minutes. Because like Kirk Creesa, I'm not saying he's fragile, but he missed some time last season. Like, you need someone who can step in and play those minutes. And can Colin Boswell, is he ready for that? I mean, he might be beyond his years, skill-wise, and I know physically, but like, I just, I'd rather have the veteran in that spot. I would. If they want to reclassify, then I take them. But if I had a preference, I want someone who's played college basketball to fill those minutes. Yeah, I tend to agree. And like the reclass rumors with like Kylan Boswell is the, the more highly touted guy. You know, is he going to reclass to then come off the bench? Because you're probably not starting him over Kirk Carissa and Pella Larson. So it may be in, in all parties best interest for him to, you know, bide his time and be the guy when he comes in uh, with another year's physical maturity. But I, I tend to agree uh, with that because I and. You, you know my stance. I want to have a I want to have a veteran that's got a that's a, a confident dog mentality. Yeah. I don't care in what position. Ideally, bluntly, I want it at that uh, somewhere on the perimeter because I think that's where a lot of that mentality gets set. Yeah, yeah. So, best of luck to the Wildcats who decide to go pro. Best of luck to Dalen Terry and see whatever he does. Hopefully, like we want what's best for him. <laughs> if the NBA is what's mm-hmm. best, then go to the NBA. But if he comes back, obviously, we would not be upset about that. But I think we probably both have complete confidence in Tommy Lloyd on this program where they're going to be fine next season. Like they're going to be very, very good again. Um, Brett, we could talk about women's basketball too, but if we go over who all left, like this show will run over time. (laughs) (laughs) More than half the roster entered the transfer portal since the end of the season. Of course, Sam Thomas did not get drafted, but she ended up with the Phoenix Mercury in camp. So that's awesome for her because she's one of the all time great Wildcats players, like caught a touchdown pass in the spring game. (laughs) So obviously rooting for her, I guess from a, from a big picture, from a thousand, you know, how many thousand foot level, 
that's a lot of transfers from Arizona. And like this time a year ago, we're thinking everyone's going to want to play for Adia Barnes and play at Arizona. This season did not go the way anyone hoped. They weren't bad. They dealt with some injuries too. But that's a lot of talent that left. A lot of talent. Yeah, the flip side of that coin is how much of that talent is leaving because of the talent that's coming in. Fair. Right? Fair. Arizona has what, uh, you know, I forget what their, their recruiting class is ranked uh, with Maya Naji. There's a, a, I'm blanking on her, the point guard that's, I think, the highest rated or one of the next highest rated recruit in the class and a couple others. And the Arizona women's team struggled the most this year offensively, which wasn't a surprise for us. And yeah. all those folks coming in, um, if the if their scouting reports and the hype is to be believed, offense will not be a problem with them and Kate Reese returning. And that, you know, at some point, it's also a minutes game on the women's side. I think I think the women's uh, rosters actually have more scholarship spots than than men's rosters, which makes it even more of an interesting thing to kind of manage. Uh, so I don't I don't hold it against anybody who's looking at transfers away. I think there's something maybe with the Bendu Yaney transfer after she kind of announced at senior day that she was coming back and then decided to transfer out. Um, but maybe that's just seeing what's coming down the line. And when some of these commitments got made official um, combined with what's already there, you know, minutes are going to be hard to come by on that roster, uh, even with the, even with all the departures. So I, I'm sad to see some of the, some of the ladies go, but I'm also not concerned one bit about this, about this team next year. In fact, I think they likely will be uh, a better team overall. That's fair. And that's the thing. Not all transfers are created equal when it happens when players just say, you know what, I'm not going to have the minutes I want because there's a more talented player. Then like, it's not a problem for the team that they left or the player leaving. It's totally understandable for both sides if a separation is what's best for each of them. And of course, for the Arizona players who left, we wish them nothing but the best other than a lot of them transferred in the Pac-12. Like Von Lau transferred to Colorado. Bendu Yeni's at Oregon State. Quay Love went to USC. So, I mean... <laughs> no. I mean, there's not to not to be mean, but there's a reason they're not transferring to Stanford. <laughs> that is, is the most talented roster uh, probably in the in the Western United States in women's in the women's game. Fair, um, but no, I mean we, we wish them the best of luck. Right? They they played hard as Wildcats. Absolutely. They did nothing wrong. They they did the best they could, and now they get an opportunity to do even better at these other schools. So, oh, that's a. The time of year for basketball, right, Brett? <laughs> like players come, they go. <sighs> what do we? What do you say we take a break, and we'll transition to football? Let's talk to Stanley Berryhill as he prepares for the NFL draft. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are thrilled to be joined by Stanley Berryhill, one of our favorite Arizona Wildcats. He is preparing for the NFL Draft, which is this week. Stanley, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Appreciate it. How you guys doing? We're doing good. I imagine we're a little bit less stressed than you are right now. We'll just get right to it. You've been prepping for the NFL draft as someone who is hopeful to get drafted over the next three days. Just what's this been like for you? What's this process? What's this week like? Uh, uh, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, you get a lot of phone calls from different coaches and and different um, different coaches and different scouts, but just uh, 
try to kind of read between the lines of what they're saying because they're trying to sell you a pitch. I feel like I'm getting recruited in college because I didn't really get recruited in college back then or for college back then. So I feel like that's the process I'm going through right now. But unlike with college where you get to maybe pick where you would go here, you're just waiting for someone to call you and say, hey, you're coming to our team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what's it, what's it been like for you um... – you know, physically preparing for, for the draft, right? You know, the NFL draft is notorious for things like the 40 times and some of the stuff that they measure at the at pro day and, and the combine, you know, I know, I know you ran a pretty good 40 time at, uh, at the Arizona pro day, but what's, what's it been like for you in terms of getting physically ready for that to show up for the, for those scouts, for this, for this draft coming up? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't make a ball game at Arizona last year, so I kind of got a step up of training, uh, kind of more than everybody else who I was training with. So my first three weeks after the season, I was out in uh, Las Vegas doing physical therapy on my leg after the ASU game and then um, just getting a jump start on training with my uncle, who's a personal trainer out there. And then I uh, started out in Las Vegas training uh, my first three weeks and then um, ended up at Exos and really just a lot of technique-based stuff. Uh, fixing little things and fixing, uh, correcting your 40 and correcting your explosiveness and stuff like that. So it, it was completely different compared to college workouts. It's kind of thinking along those lines, because obviously you had a really good season for Arizona, a really nice career at Arizona, like you said, didn't get to a bowl game, had more time to work on stuff. But what kind of feedback did you get from these teams? Because, you know, it's like we saw what you can do on the field, but what did they say? We want to see you be able to do this to be considered for a draft pick or a roster spot. Uh, yeah, so a lot of teams, as you see, uh, last year we had a lot of quarterback problems, a couple, a little bit of an O-line problem. So we weren't able to really get the ball deep down the field too many times. So a lot of teams questioned my my straight line speed or uh, how fast I really am. Like a lot of teams noticed how quick I was, but before pro day, it was a lot of people were saying, that I wasn't too fast. My biggest thing was uh, running the fast 40 and proving that I could uh, open up the field a little bit. And then same thing with playing at the Shrine game. That was a big focus for me, finishing plays after the catch and being able to make people miss and get upfield as fast as possible. So just speed, just showing that I could uh, run downfield and open up a defense. So that's kind of, why the 40 was so important of clocking the fast time. Most coaches or most scouts didn't expect me to run under a five. So, uh, being able to do that, I think, helped out with my draft stock a lot. Yeah, what's what's been the thing that's most surprised you about going through this process, Stanley? I know we we as fans sometimes hear funny stories of questions scout at, scouts ask, but maybe there's you know a pleasant surprise thing about the process, or just what's been a weird or surprising thing you've experienced. Uh, just how late teams have been reaching out. Like um, after pro day, I mean, I've, I was getting a bunch of calls, but then it kind of went dead for a brief period of time. And the the last couple of weeks, you would think like everybody would start picking up a little bit sooner, but the last couple of weeks, that's when I've been getting majority of my calls. And like I had a couple calls earlier this week with teams I've never talked to, so it, it, it was pretty crazy. 
Like, have have you, I imagine, heard from some teams too say, hey, like, maybe we'd like to draft you, but if things go a certain way, if you don't get drafted, they'd like to bring you on maybe as an undrafted rookie free agent. And, you know, I've covered the NFL and I've talked to a lot of players and a lot of people think almost it's, you know, you want to get drafted, right? You want to hear your name called over the next few days. But to some extent, is there any thought that, hey, if I get to be an undrafted free agent, I get to choose my team and maybe go find that situation that might be a little bit more conducive to making a roster and getting early playing time? Do you even think about that type of stuff right now of, like, you know, what you'd prefer? Oh, yeah, no, of course. Of course you want to get drafted, but I have had the idea and have been doing my research on teams that I would think about going to if I do not get drafted and become a free agent. Yeah, yeah. but. Getting drafted is the main goal. Yeah, I guess I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective, uh, Stanley. You know, we're we're only, we're recording on April twenty seventh, so we're the 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 draft is about to start, and you've gone through this whole process. I'd love to get your perspective on how you feel like Jed Fish and staff uh, helped get you ready for this time in your career, and and kind of get your perspective on that. Yeah, so uh, I talked to Coach Fish and Coach KC. A uh, couple of times a week, uh, just keeping them up, keeping them updated on who talked to me and um, and who's reaching out. And uh, Coach Fish does a great job of um, checking in with them and seeing their thoughts on me, or uh, circling back around after a couple of weeks and went by, talking to the coaches that he has connections with and the teams that he has connection with. So I think they've done a real good job, just. Uh, me keeping them in the loop and they keeping me in the loop about everything that's going on. And uh, Coach Fish has some connections, so I think that helps a little bit with him being at U of A. I think he's going to get a lot of players into the NFL and a lot of people picked up in the long run. I imagine, too, for, for your situation, Stanley, coming in, you know, the way you went through this program, the three different coaching staffs that you kind of played under, and if Jed Fish, and he's not the only one, obviously, could get you to the next level, but if you go through Arizona the way you did and get to the NFL and make an impact, that speaks really well to this program, which, for a lot of people, they're feeling pretty good about the Wildcats right now, too. So do you feel any kind of that pressure of, hey, like, if I can make it to the NFL, it's a testament to what Jed Fish is doing and what he can do to other players and help them get to the next level? I mean, yeah, of course. It's uh, of course, I want to make Coach Fish look good, but it, it's more than just Coach Fish. I have my little brothers who are coming up in high school who are looking to get recruited by colleges, and then I have my dad who's been working so hard, and my parents who've been working so hard to get for me to get this opportunity, with sacrificing long nights of homework and long nights of games and practices. So. I want to go for all of them who, and everyone who's helped me along the way. Yeah, and I guess Stanley, thanks for thanks again for having so much taking the time to be uh, talking to us today in a in a busy week, an important week for you. Uh, you know, I guess you know, kind of taking taking that and going to the next the next level with fish in the program and the state of it. You know, you you left the University of Arizona as pretty much the the top the top dog in the wide receiver room. And, you know, now you look at that as a strong position, just, you know, one year removed from that with all the new talent talent coming out. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to just kind of to have you leave us with your perspective on and for the Arizona Wildcats fans listening out there. You know, what what what's your read from kind of, you know, recently in that room and knowing where the program is going and, and what kind of level of optimism should they have? I mean, yeah, I mean. Our receiving room was real strong last year when I was there, and you, you just see it getting stronger and stronger with bringing in the top receiver, one of the top high school receivers in the country with the T-Mac, uh, bringing in the best 
player in the portal, best receiver in the portal with Jacob Cowling. Um, you just see they, the coach Fish and staff, they had it figured out, and there's so much talent in the receiver room with Dorian, uh, Dorian Singer and Anthony Simpson. You just see so much talent in that receiver room with all the guys that they bring in and all the guys who were young last year. And there's going to be some guys who shock you and some guys that are going to make plays that we weren't expecting to do this early in their career. But uh, the Wildcats' future is bright, especially for For sure. Well, Stanley, that's we'll leave it on that note because Arizona Wildcats fans are going to be excited to hear that from someone who was a part of this program, part of the first-ever Jed Fish team. Once again, thank you for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0. And best of luck in the draft, and we'll hopefully catch up with you down the road to see your progress because I know – I speak for Brett, for all the Wildcat fans everywhere. We are definitely rooting for you, you know, for the next step of your career. I appreciate it. So that's Stanley Berryhill. When we come back, let's talk about that NFL draft. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And once again, thanks to Stanley Berryhill. What, geez, I guess it's so cool to talk to him, Brett, because, I mean, we obviously both loved watching him play for Arizona, played his heart out for the Wildcats. And now he gets his chance to be drafted, to make it to the next level, and you know, if he gets his opportunity, like, I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but I have no doubt he's going to end up on a roster, and I wouldn't bet against him for making that team and making an impact in the NFL at some point in the future. I 100% agree, and, of course, I'm a, a fan of all Arizona Wildcats players, but I'm a fan of Stanley Berryhill, just <laughs> the person he is, uh, and I'm I'm actually... I'm with you on that. I actually think whoever picks him up, whether he is drafted or signed as a, a priority free agent, I think they're going to be very happy with their decision. And yeah. he will be somebody that adds value. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go out and be a pro bowler uh, anytime soon, but I think he will be a guy that helps a team win football games immediately. Yeah. And like one of the things he said too, because Arizona has a handful of players who are eligible for the NFL draft this season and guys like Anthony Pandy, Trevon Mason, they played well for Arizona, Stanley Berryhill too. And I'm not sure any are projected to be picked. Of course, all it takes is one team to decide, you know what, I'd rather make sure we can get you rather than try to get you as an undrafted free agent. But just, I see this group of Wildcats that went in like, cause yeah, the Wildcats did not have much success in Berryhill. Stanley mentioned that too, as some of the things that, you know, the coaches that we've been working out for like, yeah, we didn't know you could do this. We need to see you do this because you didn't do it with that office. You didn't do it at Arizona, but I could see some of these guys, or at least a handful of these guys, a few of them making an impact. I think Andy Pandy is a good player. I think he can find a way on special teams and make a roster. I think Trevon Mason, you know, he had flashes too. He's a solid player. Lucas Haversick has a huge leg. So someone will bring him into a camp. Just be like, Hey, if they can teach him better accuracy, you have yourself something there. So like, it's not, it's not a class. I don't know when the last time Arizona had someone drafted was it's been a few years. I think, and I don't know if this year is going to end that streak, but I have no doubt some of these guys who aren't going to get drafted are going to end up on rosters and find their way onto NFL fields, like playing on Sundays. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Trayvon Mason fan club line starts behind me, and you know this from being on this pod for the last couple of years. Uh, that guy, ha- you, you know, you can't, you can't uh, coach somebody to be an enormous human being and, no. and athletic, right? I was um, just saying, I could I could work my way to enormous too, but athletic will not be part of the deal. <laughs> there's good weight and there's bad weight, Adam. Um, oh, there's good weight. <laughs> I guess it's a matter of perspective. You might think good weight is what was added by that fine stout you drank last night. <laughs> Delicious. But athletically, probably not so much. Um, no, I think I think Haversick is a guy that showed 
a lot to at least get a long look uh, and uh, for and probably for a while, even if it's not this year, for a couple of years and, and on practice squads with some of these guys. You know, look at look at what uh, uh, Lo- Anthony Lopez did with the, the or Roy Lopez, even, right? Or Roy, Roy Lopez. Lopez, yeah. Excuse me. Anthony Lopez was the running back turned safety <laughs> uh, from Mesquite High that played for Arizona. Um, yeah, Roy Lopez. I think did, I think he did get drafted uh, a couple years ago by the Texans. The, That's yeah, right. And, he and, did get there. He was drafted. And, so. uh, the streak and, is all of not even a season. Yeah, but he ended up having a pretty, you know, successful uh, NFL career already so far. Yeah, right? for his rookie year went really well. Like yeah, he made an impact. So, you know, does that maybe help? You know, some. Uh, some scouts say, all right, maybe I can, maybe these Arizona guys aren't as bad as their record indicates. Maybe I think the scouts are smarter than just looking at team records. They look at, you know, the measurables and, and get to know the the guys uh, and who they are and how they compete. And I think that's where some of these guys are going to, are going to probably overperform expectations. You know, what that means in terms of, you know, making a roster, whether it's on a practice squad or otherwise, you know, that's hard to say. It's going to be partially situation dependent, but mm-hmm. I, I I think we're all rooting for for all these guys. One thing you said too, how coaches will wonder like how these guys compete, and Arizona was not good for most of these guys' tenure with the program, and yet they played hard. Like that's got to speak well of someone like Mason or Anthony Pandy or Barry Hill, how they put it out on the line every single game, every single snap for a team that wasn't going anywhere, that won a game over the last couple of seasons, really. You know, so. The physical ability, the tools are there, and I think they've probably shown a mental side of things, how much they love playing football, and are just going to play hard no matter the circumstances. And those are the types of players who teams love to add to their rosters, to their training camp rosters, just to see, because you know that guy's going to work his ass off. You know, he's not going to come in entitled. He's not going to come in like, oh, whatever. Like, they're going to play really, really hard. And, you know, once you get to that level, they're all pretty good. But it's the mentality that gets them to be really good and to be great. And... They'll give those guys a chance, and that's why I'm confident. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. But, of course, if any one of them hear their name drafted over the next three days, probably not Thursday. I don't think anyone's projected to be a first <laughs> round pick, and probably not Friday. But if anyone hears their name, congratulations. That would be awesome because we want to see Arizona players get drafted. That's a big thing. Like That's part of the appeal that Jed Fish is supposed to be doing here is that he's going to get guys to the NFL. They're going to get drafted. Arizona needs to be able to do that because it's like you bring a coach who, and Stanley said, like with Jed Fish, he's like, yeah, he knows these coaches. He's been helping them out and all that. Like if Jed Fish can get guys to the NFL, get them drafted, when you can see the highlight video, you know, so-and-so, yeah, Arizona, and you show highlights of Arizona doing something good as opposed to what's the usual case is highlights of players doing well against Arizona. Like that that was a theme in last year's draft especially i remember it's like anyone who was back 12 they're showing the highlight like oh yeah i remember that game <laughs> like that that sucked but if you can get the inverse of that then it really helps build the program because that's what guys want they want to win but they want to get to the nfl so if jed fish can show that he can get guys to the nfl then the program will start you know building and building even more than what we've seen yeah totally and <laughs> You know, are we are we going to take credit for some other ex Wildcat draft eligible guys like Colin Schooler? <laughs> like Jed Fish can't. <laughs> no, I mean if we take credit for Roy Lopez, then <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I'm rooting I'm for just, Colin Schooler. I I, I don't think too. he ever wanted to transfer. Obviously, he left because he didn't think we were going to be playing football in the Pac-12, and that guy played his heart out for Arizona too. So yeah. like I don't know if we'd take credit for him as Arizona people, but we could definitely root for him. I think that's fair. But so that's 
the draft is this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'll see if Arizona has any guys named, but if they don't get drafted, you're going to be see them very quickly. Right, right when the draft ends, you start seeing teams reaching out all the tweets about guys signing as an undrafted free agent, and I would expect to see Arizona's players land on rosters. Um, Brett, a few more changes for the football program here. Jalen Johnson entered the transfer portal. I liked him, talented, but like you mentioned to Stanley, and he talked about some of the receivers in that room. <laughs> like, where was he going to play? Where was he going to find snaps? Yeah, he's a guy that I would have, I would really love to have seen take that next, you know, step because he's got all the physical tools. Um, you know, I, 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 all I've heard is positive things about him. He just never quite put it all together to get on the field as much as we maybe all wanted. But boy, when you have, you know, a two deep that has Majon Wright at, you know, the sixth, five, fifth God, or sixth receiver. I wa- I, at the spring game, I was watching. I'm like, that's Majon Wright. Oh, yeah, because I think that guy's going to be good. He's like well, their I mean, fifth receiver. And who, who, and we're not, you know, a receiver that's name is a little bit lost and maybe for, you know, is there, there's a little bit of uncertainty there. Like, we're not, nobody's even been talking about, um, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The the con- quarterback converted to receiver from Tucson. Jamari uh, Joyner? Jamari Joyner, yeah. Like, right now, I'm not even sure if, if he's not 100% returned healthy. I'm not sure he's seeing the field. Yeah, if he's a, if an 80 percent Jamari Joyner's not seeing the field, who are you going to who are you going to put him over? Mayjon Wright, uh, you know, AJ, uh, you know, AJ Jones, T Mac, Dorian Singer, Anthony Simpson, Kevin Green, like all of whom were doing stuff in the spring game, and all of whom seem ready to contribute this season. And that's not even mentioning the top two and Jake Powing and 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 T Mac, right? Like, there's only yeah. so many guys that can be on the field <laughs> at once. So it's. I, I, I wish Jalen Johnson well. He's a guy that I actually had a lot of hopes for. But it's just, it, you know, it's kind of like a Shane Noel of football where it's like, where, where are you going to get the playing time? Yeah, yeah. So those things happen. Um, some other football news, I guess. Arizona's in the recruiting, obviously. Jackson Bowers, far-star tight end. They're in the top seven. They also got a, a defense, or an offensive tackle, a three-star commit with a I, just rhino. Like, rhino. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead Adam take a, take a shot at pronouncing it I'd rather not <laughs> but it's just Arizona we all know they need help along the offensive line and like with Jonah coming in as likely to start as a true freshman you hope they can find some of these players because they're not like five star recruits it's hard to find five star linemen who are ready to play even still immediately but you go get guys who have talent, who have that potential, and that drive, that work ethic as offensive linemen to that mean streak. And I think everything I read about Rhino kind of puts him in that category. And these are players you can build an offensive line around. So it just shows the recruiting. Now, granted, all this stuff, they got to win games. But I think there's such a confidence that they will. You know, and like they kept the recruiting class together last season and added to it with one victory. So obviously, they don't have to win seven games to keep this recruiting class. You got to show progress. But the guys that are getting early, there's that buzz, and it just keeps building and building and building. And it seems like there's a plan in place when it comes to the recruiting. It's not just you know taking who you can get. Like you look at some of the players that transferred after this season for Arizona, most were not going to see the field. You know, like that's just the way it goes because yeah. they're getting a specific type of player in here. Like they want a certain type of player, and they're getting them. And I think Rhino fits into that mold too. Yeah, and if you look at some of the the highlight videos at camps, where I think he was even you know. In, co-MVP of, of a lineman camp on the offensive side where he was going against like four and five star like talent and he was holding his own 
Uh, and he's somebody that we may see kind of be a fast riser uh, as as it, as you go through those camps. His rating might go up, and it's he's already you know around a top 800 national recruit, which is kind of like the magic number of that top 800 1000. Mm-hmm. That's how you build depth. Everybody drink. Oh, uh, we almost made it. You know, but the, these are the these are the ways you build a roster. Um, it's not all about getting five star guys. The the really high three star and the solid the, the the contributors. You know, we talked about it years ago. You need to have a high hit rate on guys that are contribute and aren't just roster fodder. Yeah, and these are the sure. kind of guys that are are already not roster fodder, or at least they don't seem that way, and they may even have some significant upside. Absolutely. So, Brett. I think that just we could talk about how baseball is seems to be getting back on track. They beat Creighton a couple of times and came back and took two out of three from ASU, which is always nice to see. You love to see that. Softball starting to get a little bit going too, so not bad. Is there anything else? Did we miss anything else? I know like Ryan Anderson left to join Sean Miller's staff at Xavier. Cool. <laughs> no, I mean like good for him. Like that's you know. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that. I like Ryan Anderson, but probably bigger role for him at on that staff. So yeah, I'm fine with that. Like. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you hit the, the the main thing to talk about was taking two of three from ASU in baseball, which that was a nice thing for Arizona. Yeah, I mean ASU's not that good this season; they weren't that good last season. But Arizona, they kind of they got to a decent start. We had Michael Lev on a few weeks. He's like, "Yeah, the baseball team's been you know probably surpassing expectations," and then they went on like a slide right after that. I think during that podcast we were talking and they were losing to ASU in a non-conference yeah. game. They blew that one, and they kind of struggled. But it seems like Chip Hale might have them getting back on track because it is a very talented roster as well. And I think they've been projected as like maybe a two seed or a three seed in the tournament. Which you know, yeah, they, you know, they'll be in. They'll be in the baseball dance. And they'll have a chance because their offense and, can be really good. Chase Davis is just unreal. Like, well, I think they have a chance to host uh, a regional as well. Yeah, they still got time to finish up the season strong before then. Yeah, and and they're in a decent position to win the Pac-12 for a second straight year, which that's a pretty strong, you know, first season for Chip Hale and crew for sure. Uh, but. You know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, Adam. So we'll see how they finish the year out. That is what they say, Brett. You know what else they say is to make sure you're following us on, you know, Twitter, at Wildcat Radio AZ. They, they say that? They, they do say that. And the other thing they say is, you know, if you find us on Spotify, on iTunes, make sure you smash that subscribe button. And if you're on iTunes, we would like you to say in a review anything you want. And then we'll read it, we'll read it on the air. We'll read it on the show. So They do say that. I, I believe they do. Yeah, they. They, this, they is. this mystical they. <laughs> I know who they are. They know who they are. <laughs> Indeed, they do. But, Brad, I think that does it for us here, right? We, we made it through. I think so. So, once again, thank you to Stanley Berryhill for joining us. We're absolutely excited that he joined us, and we're looking forward to seeing his uh, the next step in his career because we're both believers that he is going to make an impact at the NFL um yeah we'll talk about all that stuff you know whatever happens in the draft all where the arizona guys end up and of course there's always news basketball and football it seems like there's never a dull moment for arizona athletics we'll talk about all that next week and until then remember to bear down bear down